Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. Psalm 51 verse 10. Tonight we're going to be continuing our discussion on prophecy. Uh, For those of you guys who were not here the past two weeks, the podcast is up on Spotify if you want to check it out. Um, I can send you links. Jacob can send you links. Um, This is actually our third week doing this. So if I say something that goes over your head because you haven't been here the past two weeks, my bad. Just catch up when you can, I guess. Um, <laughs> so let's pray and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for today. We thank you for all the great fellowship and food that we've gotten to eat today. Uh, we thank you for your word and what it tells us about the gift of prophecy. And we thank you just for what tonight is going to be bringing. Abba, we love you and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a little recap. We're talking about the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 1 through 11. Um, We're not going to go over that tonight because we've been over that so many different times already. Uh, Last week, we talked about ways to develop the gift of prophecy, and we talked about prophetic etiquette, some do's and don'ts of prophecy, um, how to go about giving a prophetic word both to a congregation and to an individual, and then some things that are just kind of standard do's and don'ts for both instances. Uh, the week before that, we talked a lot about prophetic, the words that uh, the Bible uses as prophecy and what they mean, um, which was fun. And we went over receiving prophetic revelation and the three different spirits that you can receive it from. Tonight we're going to double back. Yeah, I guess double back. And we're going to go over we're we're going to we're going to hyper focus in on where you receive prophetic revelation from because it's not something that's talked about often. Uh and I think that it's important as we go about doing things, especially as we're flowing in the gift because well, there's been a lot of abuse as people have prophesied out of the wrong spirit. Um, and before we get into this, I want to reiterate too, we're not talking about prophecy as in scripture. No way are we talking about people writing more scripture. That would be heretical. If anybody tells you that they have prophecy that's on par with scripture, they're wrong and they're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, there are some prophetic people out there with weird prophetic ministries that are like that, and they are mostly YouTube prophets. If you want a list, I can give you a list. Stay away from those people, but we're not going to do that via recording. So, capiche, capiche. All right, so let's jump into a couple things. So, 
Um, if you want to write this down now, you can. The three sources of prophetic revelation or prophetic words are the Holy Spirit, the human spirit, and an evil spirit. However, before we get into talking about that, we have to talk about the Hebrew word for spirit. Because there's a lot of information that goes into it. And we need to be able to break this down so that we understand it. Um, because I don't know how widely it's really understood. And yeah, it's only been recently that I've understood it and I've been able to put these pieces together. So the three sources of prophetic revelation all come from some sort of spirit. In the Hebrew, the word is ruach. And it is H7303 if you have a strong concordance and you want to look it up. Um, it can mean a lot of different things. Uh, and it's important that we study this word when we're talking about prophetic revelation because, again, it always comes from some sort of spirit, right? So we need to know what kind of spirit it's coming from. Sometimes we use this when we talk about spirit, the spirit and spiritual things or prophetic revelation in general. Uh, we use it as an excuse to get super spiritual so that we don't actually have to explain how spiritual things work and what's happening. I don't know how many of you guys have been in charismatic and Pentecostal and continuationist churches that do that. I have been in several. I don't like it because they can't back anything up with scripture and that's that can be really dangerous, right? Um, so let's avoid being one of those churches that does that. Let's avoid being one of those communities that does that. If we can find scripture to explain what we believe, then we need to be able to do it. And I don't just mean twist scripture to make it sound like we know what we're talking about. I mean actually rightly dividing the word of God as best as we can with the revelation and the knowledge of the nature of God that we have at the moment. All right? Um, because as we continue to go grow, we also have to be humble enough to be able to admit where we're wrong and where we need to grow and even where we don't understand and don't know something. So I'm not going to say that I have all of this worked together, but I want to try to, I think I have a framework. And if I'm wrong, then we'll figure out that I'm wrong later. I'll repent publicly, make a big deal about it, and we'll, we'll keep moving on. Um, so this word, ruach, is translated several different times in English into several different words. Um, because of how it's defined and how the Hebrew mind thought of the word. Now, the word ruach is most often translated as spirit or Holy Spirit. It literally appears within the first two or three uh, verses in the Bible. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And the spirit, the ruach of God, was hovering over the water. Right? It's right there. It's the first time the word happens. Um, really cool. It, it happens a lot throughout the Old Testament. Other translations of the word include words like wind, which is why when the Ruach of God came in in the upper room, he came in like a rushing wind. Uh, breath, which is why the um, in the Hebrew, when we look at Genesis 2, where God breathes life into Adam, that word breath there is, again, it's Ruach. God is Ruaching Adam into life into existence and then a fourth one that oftentimes we don't look at is the word mind which is interesting 
because typically when we talk about spiritual things, especially in some of the circles I've been in, they say, oh, forget about your logic in your mind. Throw that aside. Just feel it out. Let your feelings take over. It's okay. And that's another tangent that I'm not going to get into. But what I want to propose to you tonight is that your mind and your spirit work in unison or should be working in unison with each other. Um, it shouldn't be one or the other. It should be both. Okay. So I think this is, I think this is important about the word ruach. I, I think it's important that it means both mind and spirit in the Hebrew. Uh, because the spirit and the mind of a Hebrew were very closely related. In fact, when you study some Jewish literature, uh, we find that the theology on spiritual warfare, we see we see evil spirits when we're talking about spiritual warfare, that the theology behind it, we see that evil spirits typically attack the mind first, and that's how they are able to influence your spirit. And we go into the New Testament, we look at verses like 2 Corinthians 10, where it talks about us needing to take every lofty thought captive under the obedience of Jesus, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual in nature. It will take every lofty thought into the captivity and to obedience over Jesus, uh, under Jesus Christ, right? Um, big deal. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're also talking about our mental state, our mental well-being, even in the New Testament. I think that the Hebrews knew a lot more about this than they let on when they were writing the Bible. Um, I haven't read much Hebrew literature. I'm just re I'm quoting from you some things that I have found online and things that I've studied with Michael Brown and from the Bible Project and things like that. These guys have a better idea of this stuff than I do, um, and Michael Heiser as well. So if you want more information to go deeper into some of that stuff, look into their podcast because they're way better at talking about this stuff than I am. Um, but not only in times of spiritual warfare, but in times of peace, in times of intense sanctification, we know and understand how we are doing based on how our spirits and our minds interact with each other, right? I know that I'm being sanctified in areas of rejection when I'm constantly facing rejection in my life and I have to learn how to choose to be accepted and to stay accepted rather than feeling rejected. I know that I am working through and being sanctified in areas of fear when I'm constantly faced with fear and I have the, I, I, I'm at a place where I can choose to either be really fearful and give in to the spirit of fear or choose to be strong and courageous, right? Um, if we look at Psalm 51 verse 10, which is where I told you guys to go earlier, David is writing this psalm. Uh, this is after Nathan the prophet comes to him after he has slept with Be uh, Bathsheba, right? He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, it's interesting, right? He's talking about his spirit being renewed, how important that was to him. And I know that, like, depending on the theology that you believe, if we're Christians, our spirits can't be renewed anymore. Um, I don't think that that's true because in 1 Thessalonians it says that Paul wishes that we would be sanctified completely spirit, soul, and body, which language like that tells me that we probably aren't completely sanctified in our spirits yet. Do we have the Holy Spirit that seals us in the day of redemption? Yes, but our spirits are still being sanctified, right? That's why we're still going through a process. What was that reference? It's 1 Thessalonians 5. I think it's verse 16. Um, 
So, this idea of renewing our spirits first appears here in the Old Testament in Psalm 51. This is the first time it happens. This idea of renewal in general, uh, I believe that this is the first instant that it happens. I don't, uh, as I was studying, I don't know if I found any sort of prayer of renewal about minds or spirits any further back than this psalm. All right. Now, what's interesting is if we go to if we go to Romans 12:2, it says, "Do not be re, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God." So we've got two places here where the Bible's talking about being renewed. The first one in our spirits, the second one in our minds. Kind of continuing this weird this this theme of. Ruach in the Bible, spirits and mind being being connected, being translated kind of from the same word. But then in Ephesians 4.23, this is where I think it gets the most interesting. Uh, Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Interesting. Just all gets connected in that one verse. Like it keeps building, right? So in these three verses that were just listed, it seems to imply that as our spirit is renewed, so is our mind, because they relate to one another. When we prophesy or receive a prophetic revelation, we are being given access to the mind of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2, I think, we have access to the mind of Christ, right? Um, When we have access to that, it teaches us to see things from His perspective. His spirit cleanses our minds and our spirits as we interact with Him. Um, what I think is even more interesting is when we talk about how we receive a prophetic word it might get to our spirit first depending on what spirit it's coming from but how do we process it how do we process that we're hearing from God in our spirits with our minds right logically Ah, you following me you get it it's not as hyper-spiritual as people make it out to be. It's not. It's pretty simple. I think it's really practical, too. So um, so let's talk about these three sources of prophetic revelation because a couple weeks ago, I kind of just dropped these things on you. I didn't really explain it. I was kind of like, yeah, here they are, which is never fun when you're really trying to learn something. Um, so let's talk about the first one. I think this one's a given, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. This is the one we should be receiving our prophetic revelation from. Ideally. Ideally. This is the one. <laughs> this is uh, the Elohim above all Elohim, the spirit of the living God. So if we look at 2 Peter 1.21, it says, For no prophecy at any time was produced by the will of man, but holy men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Spoken from God. Um, so we see that all scripture, well, again, was it first, first, it's either first or second Timothy, all scripture is God breathed, right? Which means, is it one? Okay. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were like signaling me to ask a question. Um, all, all scripture is God breathed. So Peter here is talking about scripture. If we read the verse beforehand, it says, but know that this, first of all, that no prophecy of the scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy at any time was produced by the will of man but holy men moved by the holy spirit from god right um 
specifically all scripture being God-breathed, it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. It has to be. Um, scripture in and of itself is, in, is infallible. But the way we translate it is fallible. The way we understand it is fallible. And that's why we have to keep growing and moving in it, being led by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, if we look at Luke 1, it's a great example of this. Um, flipping through my pages starting in verse 67 this is right after John the Baptist is born uh, for those of you guys that were with us during our Christmas teachings we talked about prophecy a lot in Christmas prophecies there's a lot to unpack in Luke 1 just so much this is right after John the Baptist is born and his father Zechariah, the priest, uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. It's interesting, right? Because in the Old Testament, he comes upon us and then we prophesy. But John's whole family is just like real weird because John is filled with the Holy Spirit from, from the womb. His mother, Elizabeth, gets filled with the Holy Spirit once she begins interacting with Mary, who has Jesus in her womb. Right, The Holy Spirit in John the Baptist leaps for joy, and then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we see Zechariah here also being filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesying before the Holy Spirit is actually given to indwell in us and to fill us. So they get special privileges. They're the exception, not the rule. Wish I was the exception more often. <laughs> um, so we start here in verse 67. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of long ago, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, and to grant that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he remained in the wilderness until the day of his appearance to Israel. Um, mouthful there. I wanted to get to the end, though, because I think it's important that we recognize that John the Baptist grew strong in spirit he was filled with the holy spirit from his birth or from from his conception right um not only was he filled with it but he continued to go strong in spirit i think that's important when we talk about hearing from the lord we have to be strong in spirit we have to be growing in spirit um now being strong in spirit and also like the beatitudes being weak in spirit because you'll be, inherit the kingdom of god right i'm not saying that um, we need to be tough and proud. I'm saying that in order to be strong in spirit, we actually have to admit that we're weak. We actually have to be humble and say, God, like, I need you. I want to hear from you. We have to desire to hear from him. Because oftentimes in our pride, even in our weaknesses, our pride flares up and we say, oh, well, I don't want to hear from God. 
or I'm scared to hear from God because he might change the way I'm thinking and I don't want that. Well, that's pride. That's every lofty thought taking over when you need to submit it under God. Take it into captivity, right? Um, and the only way we, we can do that is to be strong in spirit. And the only way we can be strong in spirit is to admit that we're weak in spirit. It's that weird paradigm of being a Christian, right? The stronger you are as a Christian typically means the weaker you are in the spirit because you're admitting more and more as you grow. Like, I'm weak and I can't do this without you. I can't believe I got <laughs> anywhere without you. Like, but now you're with me and I'm strong, right? So weird dichotomy there. Um, so when we prophesy... Through the Holy Spirit, we're given access to the mind of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says that no man knows what's in the mind of God except God himself, but we have been granted the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit, right? If we don't use that to gain access to his mind by partnering with the Holy Spirit and receiving prophetic revelation, receiving prophetic words for people, then I think that we're missing out, especially since... You know, I know some of you guys weren't here for this, but some of you guys that were, we did that whole teaching series on pursuing love and spiritual gifts, how they go hand in hand, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, follow after love and then earnestly desire spiritual giftings. I think in those verses, God or Paul, God through Paul is directly correlating the way that we love people by how we desire spiritual giftings because it's so much easier to love people past their sin when we have the power of God, the actual manifest power of God to back us up, right? Um, So the Holy Spirit gives us spontaneous revelation through our asking for it and our submission to Him. Next week, we're actually going to talk about how to hear from the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to get deep into this right now, but From what we talked about in in our first teaching on this prophecy series, we know that prophecy is a sudden inclination, right? It's a a spontaneous utterance. Um, I heard one preacher preacher call it a divine burp one time, and I thought it was the funniest thing, but it's so true because how often do we not know that we're going to burp until the burp comes and it hits us, right? You can't always predict that. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you know the burp is coming because you chugged a carbonated soda real quick. And so you know in a minute something's going to pop up. I think that prophecy is, is the same way because some, sometimes if we're, if we're trained enough to hear from the Spirit, God is sovereign enough to speak to us. Right, like we've already opened ourselves up to, to, to the fact that He is sovereign. And so we just let Him have His way. You know, um, some of us that have been practicing prophecy for a long time know this. Like we're in church settings or we're out in public. We see somebody and all of a sudden we have this like quick thought that goes across our heads. Like, I mean, I've done it several times where I see somebody out in public and I'm like, this weird thing flashes across my mind and I have to, I have to go up to them. I can't like, I can't just let it lie and I have, I have to tell them what I saw. And typically, uh, because I've been doing it long enough, I'm still not perfect. I still get people thinking I'm weird and it's telling me I'm wrong. Not a big deal. But been doing it long enough to where most of the time, I would say three quarters of the time, it's, it's pretty accurate. There might be some things that my own spirit throws in there every once in a while. But for the most part, like it's accurate. It's from the Lord. And that brings about a lot of great things for people. You know, um, I had, I got a chance to, to speak prophetically to uh, one of my employees the other week when she was in the car with me for that 45 minutes, she was telling me about some of the dreams that she had been having, how terrible they are. 
um, most of them surrounding uh, car crashes or call cars falling off of bridges and things like that. And I just was like, Lord, what is, what is this? You know, and he just opened opened it up and we were able to talk about it and it was it was right we kind of had a little counseling session on the way to work it was really cool it like brightened her day but um but the other thing too is that we have to prime ourselves to be able to let god be sovereign because we have our own will and our own pride that gets in the way and the way that we do that is by chugging the soda and what I mean by that is actually asking. I think some people in some denominations and some backgrounds think that it's wrong to ask God for a prophetic word for somebody or for a spiritual gift. But the only way you train yourself to be able to hear from him and to recognize that is to ask and give the word. And if the word is wrong, you go, okay, clearly not the voice of God. Let's try again. You know, maybe you don't try again with that person because they're spooked out. They think you're a little weirdo. They're scared. They run away from you in the middle of Walmart. It's fine. It's whatever. But the fact of the matter is you tried and you recognize that maybe that wasn't the, the spirit of God that was prophesying. Maybe that was from something else. But at least you tried. Right. And I think that there's a big difference between trying and God honoring that and you hearing incorrectly. Because keep in mind, too, in First Corinthians 13, towards the end, First um, Corinthians 13 is so great when we're talking about spiritual gifts. If we're talking about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is the best thing. 1 Corinthians 12 gives an overview, explains it, talks about how we're all part of one body. We all have different gifts. Those of us that we think are lesser than us, we need to honor more. Um, and those of us that are higher up, we need to make sure we're shepherding those people well. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, it gives an overview of how the gifts are used in the churches. Specifically, Paul says that we should desire prophecy over the gift of tongues because of how much more it edifies and encourages people, right? Um, and then towards the end of 1 Corinthians 14, it actually gives an overview on how to use it. Um, and then right in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Uh, and it starts off even talking about the gift of prophecy. If I prophesy, and I know all, but don't have love, that I don't know anything, right? Um, but then as it goes on towards the end, it actually says that eventually someday prophecy will cease and, and not exist anymore when the perfect comes, which I believe as a continuation is that perfect is uh, Jesus. Um, but before that, it actually says that we know in part, we prophesy in part, we hear from the Lord in part. We don't always hear correctly. And so when we're giving these prophetic revelations from the Lord, it's important that we actually test them and try them out by, by actually giving them over people be, so that we can learn what his voice sounds like and what it doesn't, right? So that's the Holy Spirit. A little overview. Uh, I think I talked too long about it, but that's okay. The second source of prophetic revelation is the human spirit. And this is the one I want to spend the most time on because I think this is the one that is the most misunderstood, right? Um, we go to Ezekiel 13. Actually, I'm already in Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah 23:16 first. Since everybody else has a smartphone and can just go wherever they want, don't have to flip pages. Jeremiah what? I have 23:16. <laughs> says, "Thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They lead you into vanity. They speak a vision out of their own heart and not out of the mouth of God. We go to Ezekiel 13. 
Flipping the pages, flipping the pages, breaking in this new Bible. All right, 13 verses 1 through 6, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to you foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like the foxes in the ruins. You have not gone up into the gaps, nor did you build up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in battle of the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord says, When the Lord has not sent them, and they have made others to hope for the confirmation of their word, have you not seen a vain vision, and have you not spoken a lying divination when you say, The Lord says, yet it is not I who have spoken? Alright, so. Uh, in both of these sets of verses, there's this phrase that comes up. Uh, Ezekiel 13 I like better because it uses both the word heart and spirit. But in both of, the, uh, both of these sections of verses that came up, the phrase, prophesy not of your own heart, some translations say your own imagination. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, to the Hebrew mind, the heart and the mind and the spirit were all deeply connected. They didn't break it up into three different categories like the Greeks did. This idea of spirit, soul, and body is actually a Greek idea. It's not a Hebrew idea. Your spirit, your heart, and your mind are all in the same category to, to a Jew. You tracking with me? So there's a reason why it says, in some translations it says heart, in some translations say imagination. Your mind, where your imagination is, and your heart are deeply connected to the Jewish mind. This word in the Hebrew, which I'm not gonna try to pronounce, is in the Strong's Concordance, it's H3820. This word also means mind, understanding, or feelings. So when we're prophesying out of our own spirit, we're prophesying out of our own mind, our understanding, our feelings. Um, we are prophesying out of our own spirit when we think a prophetic word into existence based on our own understanding. This isn't spontaneous, it's methodical. It's looking to prophecy it's looking to prophesy our own will into a situation because we want someone to change for us or we want the glory of the situation. And this isn't holy. It's not a good thing, right? Um, it's manipulative, in fact. This, this isn't truth. This isn't the truth being spoken. It's deceptive. If the, inf if the enemy can influence us into a place of pride where we think we're better than everybody else, then he won't actually have to feed us a prophetic word because we already are speaking terrible prophetic words out of our own spirits because we're thinking that we're better than everybody else. Or we're thinking that we have what we have to share is more important than other people in the room. Right? So what I mean by that is sometimes the Lord will speak to us and give us a prophetic word and we'll have the first part of the word and it's great and we're just meant to give that little thing. But then we think about it and we go, oh, you know what would make sense if I add this to it? You know what this probably has to do with? It probably has to do with this sin that really ticks me off. So let me just gear it towards that and that'll be that. Well, 
Did the Lord actually tell you to gear any of that stuff the way that you did it? No. He gave you one little inclination, one little word, and said, go give it. That's it. Know when the Lord starts and where he stops so that you can recognize where your own thoughts start and where they end. Here's a hint. If your thoughts don't end, it's probably not from the Lord because he definitely starts and stops. Right? If we get into the mindset of overthinking the word that we receive from God, if it's spontaneous, then guess what? We, we end up diluting what God has told us already because we're trying to work our own understanding into it. And we're not supposed to work our own understanding into it. We're supposed to understand things as he understands things. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? So, um, if bleh, I already said that. So, let's look at it this way. Gossip, slander, and accusation are all closely related to prophesying out of the human spirit. If our will and understanding are being poured out, it's our will and understanding being poured out. The problem is that because we are people in process, our understandings are skewed. We only know in part, right? Um, the other big thing about this that is noted in both sections of scripture is that I don't think that it's wrong to have conversations with people and say, hey, uh, my spirit really feels like you're doing this and truthfully it ticks me off. Can we talk about it? There's nothing wrong with that. You can talk out of your own spirit all day. The issue is when you say, thus saith the Lord and it's not the Lord speaking, it's you. Mm-hmm. That's prophesying out of the human spirit and it's wrong, right? Um, one of the greatest signs of prophetic maturity is recognizing when the Holy Spirit stops speaking and when my own spirit keeps speaking. Sometimes we prophesy out of our own spirits because we want to finish what God has started or teach someone through the prophetic word or even share our own experience or our own testimony with it. But our job is not to do that. Our job is to say what God is saying and then stop when he does. He's the author and finisher of our faith, which means he will carry the word into fulfillment. If he stops, then we have to stop as well. We dilute what God is saying if we force more to happen. Now, I do think that it's okay. I do want to clarify. I do think that it's okay to give a prophetic word and then ask for an interpretation if you don't understand it. But chances are the interpretation is not for you either. It's for the person you're giving the word to. Unless... God is speaking prophetically to you, in which case, definitely ask for an interpretation so you get it, right? But in in the context of what I'm talking about mostly right now is, which, I mean, I hope that we all have a relationship with the Lord to ask him why and how this is happening from the right heart motive. Like, I'm assuming because we're all mature Christians sitting around this table, that's what we're going to do. Um, for, for immature Christians that are just beginning to walk in this stuff, if the Lord is talking to you, then you need to talk back, not in a disrespectful way like your parents say, don't talk back to me, but in a way that continues the conversation so we gain understanding, right? What I'm talking about is when we are doing prophetic ministry over people, when we are praying and prophesying over people, when God stops, we have to stop. Do not continue the word. It will dilute it. It will not mean what it is supposed to mean, and we will work our own agenda into it every time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because no matter how sanctified we get, we're always going to struggle with some sort of pride on this side of eternity. It's just the facts. When we get hurt and offended, why? Our pride's offended. Our pride's hurt. If we can still get hurt and offended, then that means we still have some pride to give into a prophetic word if we want to. 
That's just the facts. We still have an ego. And we're supposed to die to a lot of that stuff, but we have to we have to go through the process. We have to die daily. We have to be sanctified daily. We have to make that choice. If we don't make that choice that day or in that moment, then we risk diluting what God wants to say. And the beautiful thing is, though, is that God wants to speak through us to people. God trusts us to speak on his behalf. You can tell how much God trusts us with something by what? By, you can tell how much God trusts someone by what he's willing to give for them. Well, it says that the greatest treasure God gave in one of the epistles that Paul wrote is the Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of us. He trusts us with our, his own spirit. He trusts us to hear his words. That's a pretty magnificent idea. It's not just humbling in the sense that, like, when we get prophetic words, it's not just for the person we're getting the prophetic word for. It's for us. We need to realize that God cares enough about us to speak to us and speak through us. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in uh, self-pity, which is like the opposite side of the coin of pride, that we forget that God still chose us. Not for anything that we did, but because he loves us. And so because he loves us, he loves us enough to speak to us. It's not like, a oh, like, I'll never be worthy of this thing. I don't care if you think you're not worthy. The fact of the matter is he chose to. That's a big deal. So. Uh, you guys tracking with me? Good? We good? We good? Okay. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. 36 minutes. Not going to hit 40, but I'm still doing pretty good. It'll be under an hour, so that's nice. Uh, let's go to Matthew 16. Um, so that's the human spirit and again I, I said this earlier and I, I really want to preference this I think there's a big difference between saying thus saith the Lord and prophesying out of the human spirit out of your own selfish gain and walking up to somebody and being like hey I'm learning how to hear the Lord's voice I think he said this about you does it make sense I wouldn't say that that's like, because if you get it wrong at that point, it's not necessarily prophesying out of your own spirit. It's trying to hear from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. When I say prophesying out of the human spirit, I'm not saying, I'm not saying trying or learning how to hear from God. I'm saying you're intentionally manipulating the situation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You're intentionally saying I'm speaking on behalf of God and you're intentionally getting it wrong because you're trying to change something about someone, right? Mm. Cool. So... The final form of prophetic revelation comes from an evil spirit. Um, if we look at Matthew 16, verses 16 through 23, um, in context, this is this is Peter. He's saying, uh, well, Jesus is having a, a conversation with his disciples. Um he just warns them about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, hey, don't take on religious legalism. That's really bad for you. And in, in uh, reference to the Pharisees and then, uh, you know, to the Sadducees. The Sadducees were more political than the Pharisees were. So in my mind, I think he's basically saying, hey, don't take on too many political ideals and ideologies and the, the yoke of that because it'll ruin your faith. 
right? So after that, he goes to his disciples and he says, who do you say I am? And Peter responds in verse 16, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that point on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him and began rebuking him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but those that are of man. What I like about this section of verses is that in the beginning, Jesus says, Well done, Peter. You heard the voice of God. I am the Christ. (laughs) And then by the end of it, Jesus goes, Peter, you heard from Satan. And you care more about your human spirit and human spiritual things than Holy Spirit things. Kind of interesting, I think. I like it. Um, So I'll say this. If an evil spirit is giving you prophetic words, you can tell that they're from an evil spirit because it's going to pull you away from the plans of God. Mm -hmm. Always. It's going to pull you away from Scripture. It's going to twist your mind. Right? Um, It's not going to be good. So, if we go to Acts 16. Acts 16, 16 through 18. says, On one occasion, as we went... Okay, so back up. Uh, Paul and... Silas, Silas, Mm -hmm. thank you, are hanging out in Philippi. And they're doing all this work from the Lord. And this weird lady shows up. And some of the things she said sound really good. Um, But this is where it takes really hearing from the Lord and having a gift of discerning of spirits to know what's good and what's bad. So get this. On one occasion, as we went to the place of prayer, a servant girl possessed by a spirit of divination met us, who brought us her masters, I'm sorry, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, but became greatly troubled. And Paul turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her in that moment. Super weird, man. So you've got this girl, fortune teller, clearly occultic. You know, fortune telling, this sort of like um, demonic prophecy is something that got you killed in the Old Testament. So this is like a big redemption moment because she didn't die. The spirit that was causing this stuff got cast out of her. But what I think is really interesting is that if we just zoom in really close to what she was saying, it looks like she's not doing anything wrong. 
It says, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She's following them around saying, Hey, guess what? These guys follow Jesus Christ. Not only that, they're showing us the way to Him. That doesn't sound like something that would be really demonic, does it? But Paul, having discernment, recognized what was going on. The spirit of divination, uh, sometimes called a spirit of python, because in the Greek the word there is actually python, not divination, right? Um, <laughs> she was following them so closely, I would be willing to bet that she was. it was like she was strangling the life out of them and their ministry. Um, it's like... When you're a super fan, or when you've seen movies about super fans that become super stalkers, and it's like they strangle the life mm -hmm. out of the person that they're stalking, that they think they're in love with, that they're doing the right thing for. Um, this evil spirit, I think, was kind of strangling them to the point of annoyance and hindering their ministry because <laughs> if we're thinking of it and thinking of the way that we're sanctified, knowing that they probably weren't 100% sanctified yet, right? I think she was probably a distraction from their ministry, uh, or at least a great annoyance. And because of that, they weren't, they were having trouble preaching. I think maybe they were having, and this is, you just read into this, right? This isn't actually said in scripture. I think potentially they were having trouble preaching the gospel and love to these people because they were just annoyed by this woman who was filled with a demonic spirit. <laughs> I think the demon was just annoying the crap out of them. Um, and so they cast it out, um, and they get rid of it. So what I, what I want to bring to this point is that if it's an evil spirit, it's going to be causing some sort of distraction. Even if it's like one of those spirits that says, hey, you're doing the things of God. But if you're only doing the things of God and not growing closer to God, is it really the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Because Jesus is relational. Right. When he talks about the greatest thing that we can do, when he's talking about Mary and Martha, he says, be like Mary, sit at my feet, be with me. He looks at Martha and says, stop, come sit with me, right? So if all we're doing is the things of God and we're thinking that this is what true holiness looks like, but we're not actually spending any time with God, I think that that can be demonic because we idolize doing the works of God over actually being with him and, and true change comes from being with him not from doing the works mm -hmm. if we're really with him then sometimes we can work and because our obedience is there because we're we're obeying out of the right heart motive then then we do get changed there's there's like this progressive sanctification that happens right but if all we're doing is the works and we're not being with him then there's no sanctification to be had it's just legalism does that make sense so I, I, I think even working for God and saying that you're doing all these things for the Lord can be demonic when it distracts us from our, our relationship with him and growing closer to him. Um, so in this case, uh, this, this, this girl filled with the spirit of divination is causing this big distraction. I think it's causing them to be distracted as well. And causing people to be really distracted from the things of God. Because keep in mind, Paul's ministry was powerful, right? He's, he's casting out demons with a sweat rack. He's praying for people to be healed left and right. Uh, and if this, this spirit in this woman is causing this big commotion. Causing Paul to be annoyed. Causing Paul to be annoyed. Causing this big commotion. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that Paul's the type of guy that's going to be like, I'm a billboard. Look at me all the time. I think he's trying to point people to Christ. But 
if you've got someone else being a billboard for Paul, mm-hmm. and it's getting in the way of what Paul is doing, you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. I think I'm over-explaining it now, so I'm going to move on, if that's okay with you guys. Is that cool with you guys? Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Revelation 12. Um, we're going to do verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in the heavens saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Um, Satan could be called a lot of things. Uh, a lot of times we say that his initial sin was pride. He's the father of pride. But the Lord doesn't call him the proud one. Could be fear, because he's scared of what's going to happen in the end, but the Lord doesn't call him the fearful one. It could be the rejected one, but it's not. What's interesting to me is he's the accuser. He's not just the accuser, but he's the accuser of our brethren. He accuses us day and night. Um, I would like to propose to you that if the spirit that you're prophesying out of is from a place of accusation it's probably not the Holy Spirit and it's probably not the human spirit I think it's directly uh, an evil spirit because of how Satan and his army like to accuse us day and night um, I think that a lot of times when the enemy comes to us, he doesn't come to us directly as accusation. He comes to us as suspicion mm-hmm. or a lack of trust in God's plans for a person or even God's plans for us. Because like, how many times have we gone to talk to somebody or prophesy out of somebody from our own, um, our own insecurities? You know, or we see that someone's going through something and we want to like, we ask the Lord for prophetic word and we get this prophetic word that like basically mirrors exactly what we need to be doing in our own situation. Um, you know, sometimes that can be good. I, I don't think all, to, all the time that can be good. Um, and, and typically, if we're prophesying out of our own situation, then that means there's a lot of accusation in it because... How often are we accused? How often are we so annoyed with our own situations that we're accusing ourselves? I could have done better. I should have done better. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And so, you're laying hands on somebody and you're going, "Thus saith the Lord, you need to do this." Well, how do you know that? All oh, because I went through it and I didn't do it and it messed me up. Was that really a prophetic word? I don't know if that was really from the Lord. Like. If the reason is because of your own experience, it's probably not from God, right? It's from something else. It's from the enemy getting in our heads and playing with us. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying 
you can't go to your brother and say, hey man, I recognize what you're going through and I've been through the same thing. These are the mistakes that I made. Please learn from them. That's completely different than going to somebody and saying, thus saith the Lord. This is the, this is the stuff now. You know? And, <laughs> and the person being like, well, why do you think the Lord is saying that? And then you back it up with your own reasoning or your own accusations. Like the accusations that you hear in your head about yourself on a daily basis, that's not God. Does that make sense? That criticism there. And it's okay to be critical. I'm not saying don't be critical. I'm saying be constructive with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also saying, like, we need to take every lofty thought captive and submit it to Jesus and see if it's really Him speaking to us. Because we all have the ability to do that. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Yeah. Alright, that's good because I'm done. So, um,. <laughs> So I'm going to pray, and I mean, if we want to do like a Q&A, we can. I know it's 917. Some people got to get out of here. Some people don't. Um, so let me pray real quick, and then we'll figure out what to do from there. Abba, we come before you again in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what your word says. Uh, we thank you for what your word says about hearing from you, hearing from other spirits, hearing from our own spirit, how they all uh, correlate with each other. Um, and we just ask for discernment. That we would really know how to hear from you, how to recognize you, how to be one with you. Jesus, your prayer in John 17 was that we would be one with you and the Father as you and the Father are one. And the only way we can do that is by learning to recognize the voice of your Holy Spirit. Um... The only way we can do that is by renewing our minds by the Word of God daily. Uh, Because if we think that we can just be spiritual and we don't need the Bible, then we set ourselves up for disaster. Um, But if we think we can know what the Bible says and interpret it the right ways without your Holy Spirit, then we're also set up for disaster. So I just pray that you would give us a hunger for both so that we would really know your Word and what you're saying. uh, Because your Word is life. Man cannot live off of bread alone, but off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so that's what we want to live by. So I thank you uh, for the gift of prophecy. And I pray that you would just give us that gift, that we would be able to flow in that well, that we would be able to function in that well, and that you would lead us and guide us in it, and that we would be okay with failing to learn. Uh, So we just pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.